We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by our partners at Bet River Sportsbook and Underdog Fantasy. Get a 100% deposit match up to $100 using the code FIELD, F-I-E-L-D. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster T.O. and Fanta Podcast. It is the DTF Podcast. It is. I don't even know what the date is, guys. I don't even know what day it is. This has been a wild March Madness. The first weekend was awesome. Monday might have been even crazier than anything that we saw the first weekend. Uh, we're not going to talk about Ed Cooley and, and Rick Patino here. Fanta and I did an hour and a half on it last night on After Dark. Good night. Nobody gives a shit what Terrence has to say. That's no one important. cares what Terrence has to when you come on here with that accent. No one wants to hear about <laughs> yeah. you in the big East. Nobody wants hey, to hear you talk hey. about Patino. Nobody hey, wants we, to hear you talk about If we about have questions Patino. about Greensboro, then we'll bring you on. That's where you're the expert, sir. Is that a Batman mug? <laughs> you bet your sweet ass it is. <laughs> I got it from my son. My son gave it to me for I think Christmas. Oh man. Well, listen, it's 9 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Fanta looks dapper because he is on the way to go to a Rip, Rick Pitino press conference. The first sit down. Is that right? Are you getting the first sit down with Rick Pitino as the new St. John's head coach? How about that? Huh? Whatever Rick wants. Just whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, in, we're in coach Pitino's world here. Okay. It's his world. We just live in it. Yeah. He's he, New York state of mind. He is taking over New York city. That is true. That is true. All right. So we, uh, we obviously just had a wild first weekend, four days of hoops, wall to wall action. Um, I, I, I love those first four days. Uh, by the time it's done and I can like walk out of my office and go outside and, and breathe fresh air and see the sunlight <laughs> for the first time in a while. Oh, here we go. Yep. <laughs> for people listening, Terrence is just ripping his bracket up right now. Um, fans, <laughs> give me your, give me your one overarching thought on the first weekend and then we can kind of move on and put it to bed. And look forward to, we got Sweet 16 games, guys. The three of us are going to be in Vegas in 36 hours together. Pray for us, please. We're going to need it. Um, but, Fanta, give me your one overarching thought on the first weekend of the tournament. The gap between the great to the good to even the mid-major, the, the gap between the good power conference school that, that was solid, but inconsistent at times and the regular season champion from a mid-major th that gap has never been closer and it just mm -hmm. got confirmed mm -hmm. and th that this sport is the greatest and that the NCAA tournament should never be changed it should never be shifted because in no other world are you getting FDU over Purdue and Princeton over Arizona and then Princeton follows up the win over Arizona by just kicking Missouri's behind. I mean, they they totally dictated the game. So I, I think it goes to, to that. And then the, the other thing that I take away is don't base your bracket, as hard as it is, off of conference tournament performance. Exactly. Or, or what a team has done over the last two or three weeks. Because I, I felt that we did that. And I'm going to give him his flowers. Who? We were reminded this past weekend just how good of a coach Rick Barnes is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought Tennessee, you know, that surprised me. 
I didn't think that they were capable of beating a red-hot, scalding-hot Duke team. And guess what? They did. Olivier Camois didn't want to go home. Marquise Noel didn't want to go home. You know, the guys stepped up. If if you've got that dude, that's what it takes to win in March Madness. You could play. You could have a team that played a really good game, a really clean game. You know, Kennesaw State played well enough to win, and then Colby Jones said, "Uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh, dudes, step up this time of year." Tyson Walker stepped up for Michigan State. I love seeing that in the tournament because you don't always know where it's going to come from. To big dudes win. Some of those guys you just mentioned are big dudes. Uh, that's one thing I I feel like last year, whenever we talked about the NCAA tournament, that, that was something I mentioned frequently, like the big, strong, physical dude in the tournament wins because it turns into a slugfest. And I, explain, I, explain that because people are going to hear that and think like big guys, big men, Zach Eady. No, big guards, big like Marquise Noel's. Uh, he, he's a special he, he's a special case. But you, you look at some of the teams like San Diego State beat Furman and they beat the heck out of Furman. Like they were just bigger, stronger, uh, like just yeah. bullied them. Uh, you look at some of the other teams like uh, Houston, they bullied, they, they ended up bullying Auburn. You look at uh, Kobe Jones, what he did to Terrell Burton and some of those guys. Like he, he was a big, strong, physical dude that plays on the wing. Like he's big for his position. I, I think that's important to say just because, He's not necessarily, you know, 6'10", 6'11", like I think you were insinuating to, Rob, like big wings, big positional size is what wins. And then teams that are willing to get a little – do a little too much. When And what I say mean by that is like Tennessee, they teeter right on that line of playing really hard and really physical and stepping over the line, which they have a five-man who – I talked to a couple of different coaches like, hey, look, Euros Plavsic – provides a lot of value. He set the tone for that game in the first mm-hmm. two and a half minutes. And he got two fouls in the first two and a half minutes. He hardly got to play the game. But because he got in there, threw a quick elbow, and then ran from half court to cross-body block Kyle Filipowski. And then I have Tennessee fans in my mention saying, that wasn't dirty. Are you insane? Do you guys watch football? That's a defenseless receiver right there. Like, it, it was like some of these – plays you scratch your head but, but that's what he does that's what he's out set there for the tone it set the tone for the rest of the game and, and that's here, a good thing, thing to for you. tennessee that's a good thing for tennessee yeah and and the other thing is like chris mack made this point on twitter like they, they just call the game different in marsh like you gotta be you're not gonna get those tiki tack right. fouls the freedom of movement they're gonna let you hand check they're gonna let you cut uh chuck cutters that's uh, an issue mm-hmm. that's an issue like and here's a minor part and I'll, and we can move on, but like these referees for the most part, they're from all different referee associations and stuff like that. They've never worked together. So like, that's like, they don't know who's going to swallow their whistle. Who's going to continue to call fouls. Like you probably need to get some crews in there that have at least worked together. Like that's kind of, it's a hard one because you want to keep it equitable and all that stuff. But like, it's, it's tough and it puts the referees in a bad spot. Yep. Here, here was my overarching takeaway. Guards win in March. Uh, <laughs> our own Greg Waddell dug up these stats. Okay. Luca Garza, Kofi Coburn, Zach Eady, Trace Jackson Davis played a combined big 10, big 10, seasons. big 10, big yeah, 10. They, they played a combined 14 season seasons in college. Five times they were named all Americans. Two times those guys were named national player of the year. Uh, they won a, key, a combined four Big Ten regular season and tournament championships. Seven times in the 14 seasons those guys played in college, they were a four-seed or higher. Do you know how many combined Sweet 16 appearances they made? Combined. One. One Sweet 16, and that was Zach Eady with Trevion Williams and Jaden Ivey. Guards win in March. How long is it going to be before the Big Ten figures that out? Uh... I mean, look, they don't grow many guards in the Big Ten, Big Ten country, right? Don't you get a bunch of big dudes in there? <laughs> Chicago's there. Yeah. Chicago's yeah. Thank God for Tom Izzo. I mean, honestly, there's, there's athletes is. in Indiana, believe it or not. Like, you can find some athletes in, oh, in, no, in the state of Indiana. I was, I was kind of making a joke because of uh, oh. 
when you think of Big Ten country, you think of what do you think of Wisconsin? Robbie Hummel, guys. Yeah, you think Robbie. Robbie. But nobody was surprised. Now, now, see, here's the thing with with this. Now it's no longer a talking point. That's that's the thing. I like. I, I was talking with with people last week on the West Coast covering the tournament, uh, and and the guys at, at Fox Sports obviously closely cover the Big Ten. And we were sitting there saying, like, what are you going to do? What do you say at this point? You know what I mean? The Big Ten's been so bad in the NCAA tournament the past couple of years that it's kind of, like, expected now. They have and to they change still, they're that. still getting eight teams in. Yeah, well, the amount of teams you get in is not based off of what you're doing in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, but but the way that we talk about it. But it might need to of, be. There's a lot of good teams in that league. It's just they don't have a lot of great teams. They don't have teams that can win a national title. they got teams that are good. They don't have teams that are great. Well, people thought Purdue could. I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm sorry, if you're a one seed, if you're a one seed, uh, you should be able to win the national championship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and none, none of us are surprised. I'm just saying now we're at the point where the narrative is so stale that it's like I start hearing somebody say, yeah, the Big Ten, the NCAA tournament. Like this is going to be this is like the take that your uncle at Thanksgiving always has every year on like the world. And yeah. you've heard it like seven Thanksgivings in the world, and you're like, like Uncle Joe, I heard this like three years ago, and you're still on it, man. I know the Big Ten's not good in March. Enough. Let's talk about something else. That's exactly where I'm at with it. That's exactly where I'm at with it. All right. Uh, you want to talk about something else, Fanta? We'll talk about <laughs> something else. Um <laughs> let's dive into uh let's dive into the sweet 16 here. Um, I want to start in the South region. We got one seed Alabama, five seed San Diego State. We got six seed Creighton. We got 15 seed Princeton. T.O., what are you looking for? What do you think the key is? What what matchup are you most excited about? Give me your takes on the, the South region here. Is it Alabama's to lose? Uh, yeah, it is. I, I think what I'm going to be looking at, that Alabama-Creighton game is going to be fun, fun, fun. Uh, the only big difference is, is I think uh, Alabama has more depth. If, if we can get to that game. Like Princeton's played well. I just don't think. I think the 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 run. I'm not going to say the luck because Princeton, what they've been doing is not luck. No, no, it's not no. luck. Like like they're very good. I, I just think their run uh, might be over. Creighton's really good, and I, that Alabama San Diego State game is interesting because San Diego State they don't mind playing fast, but they prefer to stay a little bit slower because they're so big and strong. In Alabama, we all know what they do. Uh, Alabama is just so good. The, the, between the talent of the guards, that or the, the talent of the young players and the and the older guards, Alabama man, they just continue to like look great. And and they beat like they won by what twenty one in the first game, of course six uh, against the sixteen seed, of course. But then turn around and win by twenty two over Maryland. And Brandon Miller was just fine. Like he was just fine. That's how good Alabama is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how good Alabama is. Alabama's best is better than everybody else's in this field. Mm-hmm. It just is. And Javon Quinterly was on another level on Saturday night against Maryland. He just was. Their guard play, they've got options. Uh, the ability of Charles Bediaco and Noah Clowney to protect the rim makes it very difficult to get much rhythm on them. I will say this, though. Um, I think that the foregone conclusion is is that they're heading to the Final Four. And I understand that. And and if you're asking me to make a pick, yeah, I think we all would pick them. But um, what we saw this past weekend was a Creighton team that can beat Alabama. They can beat Alabama because of the fact that you don't know defensively as an opponent where it's going to come from matching up with Creighton. Ryan Nemhart goes for 30 points against Baylor. I was amazed at how much Creighton dictated the way the game was played. They won that game from start to finish. They built a lead. Yep. Baylor like would get within eight. And that was it. Creighton, Creighton just kept punching back. And then against NC State, NC State, I mean, Terquavion Smith, we talked about him all year. Guys, he was awesome. He was awesome for NC State. And Ryan Kalkbrenner had 31. How many times can a team have back-to-back career-high performances by a respective player? It's a different player in the NCAA tournament. That sums up Creighton. 
And between Baylor Shireman and, and Trey Alexander, they've got shot makers, tough shot makers, and they do have a rim protector in Kalkbrenner. They're going to need to get the tempo to its liking if they do play Alabama. They cannot they, they can't have Kalkbrenner going up and down and up and down like crazy. They're going to but McDermott is a really good half-court coach. I mean, he he's really good at executing his stuff. Creighton's never been to a Final Four. Um, let's see if if maybe they shock the world this weekend and get there. There's certainly enough talent for them from one to five. How about this? I got a stat for you, Fanta. Ooh. Creighton, Creighton is the first team to have a different player score more than 30-plus points in each of the first two NCAA tournament games that they played since – do you know who? And Grandma you say Mom. you and you say you cover the Big East. Villanova. No, and you say you cover the Big East. Providence in 1997 with wow. Austin Crozier and Derek Brown. And you say wow. you cover the Big East. Wow, that's now right now. John Fanta doesn't do his homework. Take no. him that's off the Patino no. interview. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> freaking no. Yeah, that's a really um, good one. Hey, let me ask you this: How many different guys for Creighton this year have gone for thirty? I think just Nip. those two. Really? Yeah, I don't I think feel like Kaluma could have gotten popped hot off thirty. We'll check. We'll find out. Vamp, yeah. vamp while I look. Vamp while I research. Yeah, I, I, I research. just and, and I also like because we hit on everybody here, and I I, I do look. I'm going to give credit to Brian Dutcher and San Diego State. Okay, Duh. they came into this year. We, they came into this year. We thought they could be a top 15 team. That was a real thought. They brought pretty much everybody back. And uh, Jaden Ledee has been fantastic for this team. I thought that that over the weekend, they just they, they got different contributions from people. It's been more than just Matt Bradley is my point. And I'm amazed. Um, gosh, Aguep, the big kid, God, their athleticism on the front line, San Diego State. Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, Nathan Mensa is a terrific defensive center. Like, oh my terrific God. defensive center. Like, like um, Furman could not do anything. Nothing. Anything. I, I just thought, T.O., like San Diego State was, was the, the, it was like a heavyweight fight to them. They well, were, that's, that's why I'm, that's why I'm really worried about this matchup. Like, I'm, I'm, if I'm Alabama, I'm worried about this matchup because I look at what, I don't know a team full of a bunch of old dudes on Tennessee did to a team of a bunch of freshmen on Duke. They just beat them up physically. It was a different game. You were watching fourth and fifth year seniors go up against 18 and 19 year olds. And that might be the game to watch, but but like, keep in mind too, like the, San Diego state's deep. They had nine guys play at least 16 minutes against Furman. Now I realize it was Furman, but nine guys play at least 16 minutes. Yep. So they're going to be able to keep up with Alabama just from a pace perspective because they're going to have fresher bodies compared to what Alabama is used to playing against, I guess. But golly, yeah. like you're right, uh, guys, like so big. And, and Ladee is massive. Like he, <laughs> he has shoulders like they, they are so big and old and like they're going to be able to figure some things out. Yeah. Four <laughs> of Alabama's key rotation players are freshmen. They have another sophomore, Charles Bediaco, that's seven foot, like 225, right? Yeah. Um, and Javon Quinterly is not exactly the biggest guy in the room. So uh, we just lost Fanta. We'll bring Fanta back in. Um, but, uh, I mean, that's that's my biggest concern with them. It's just, yeah, we lost Fanta. We brought Fanta back. That's yeah, that's the day, day in the life of living with of, uh, of working with John Fanta. Um but I, I, that's the that's the thing that I'm I'm most worried about in this matchup for them is that San Diego State can beat them up physically, and if the officials are going to allow that them to play and kind of whistle it the way that it's been whistled throughout the first weekend of the tournament, like it's I think San Diego State has an advantage there. Now it may not matter because Alabama is just so ridiculously talented. Yeah, that's it. That's the problem, and the problem is is that San Diego State's half court offense just is not reliable enough. But that's right. Like they, they're they're going to need Micah Parrish to hit some shots. It's just they're just not a very good perimeter shooting team. They almost need to take a page out of Tennessee's book and hope that somebody goes off from the perimeter to because you got to be able to shoot over that Alabama defense at times. I, I just as much as they beat Furman, I will say um, Furman's loss to San Diego State was a reflection of how hard it is to beat Virginia. 
as well. You know, they get past Virginia in miraculous fashion. Let's face it, it was miraculous fashion. Mm. But you have to fight Virginia in a war. The, I think out of all the teams that I would have had firm and face in the second round, the worst option off of the Virginia win was San Diego State. Yeah. Because San Diego State does not show up for a tea party. All right? They show up to kick your ass physically. Mm. Alabama's not going to be overwhelmed by that. They just face the SEC the whole season. Alabama's winning that game. Yep. Mm-hmm. You guys ever get tired of trying to prove that you won an argument, that your takes weren't hot, they were right? Well, I have an answer to all of your problems. Vaulted is a new sports prediction app that turns your opinions into facts. You can store all of your predictions and hot takes in your vault now and forever. Challenge your friends, keep track of the results, and prove that you are, in fact, the smartest. Vaulted will also be releasing more than 50 pools during the NBA playoffs. So download the app at the link below for your three-month trial, store your predictions now, and keep them forever. Today's episode is presented by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play college basketball's pick'em, where you get real cash prizes simply by picking player stats in this weekend's games. In pick'em, all you do is pick whether a player will go higher or lower in Underdog's projected totals. That's points, rebounds, whatever. If you're like me and you think Marquise Noel is going to go absolutely nuts this weekend, Pick higher on his points projection, throw in a couple of other picks, and if you hit them all, you can win 20 times your money on a single game. Underdog's Slick Mobile app is easy enough that dummies like Jeff Goodman have even figured it out. So go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the code FIELD, F-I-E-L-D, to get a 100% deposit match up to $100. Get in on the madness now. Guys, bad news. My bracket is busted and has been busted since the first day of the NCAA tournament. But don't worry, because if you're like me, you get a second crack at this. Run Your Pool is hosting a Sweet 16 pool for us. There's $500 in prizes on the line for our Sweet 16 challenge. So you get to compete against me and Fanta and Terrence Oglesby and everybody else on the field of 68 one more time. So make sure to check out Run Your Pool if you need to host any bracket challenger pool moving forward. They have more than 50 game types for every sport that you can think of, from a traditional bracket pool to things like survivor games to head-to-head games and my personal favorite, squares. Everybody loves squares when it comes to March and the Super Bowl. The scoring is customizable, and you can tailor your rules to your liking. So make sure you go to play.runyourpool.com backslash field68. That's F-I-E-L-D 6-8, and get your picks in before the Sweet 16 tips off. Um. All right. So you got Alabama winning? CO, you got Alabama winning? Yeah, I did. Too much. They're just so talented. And, and the older guards figure it out for them whenever the yep. young guys are getting their, getting loose. All right, and then we have Creighton beating Princeton. Do you guys give Princeton any chance? I give them, oh, I give yeah, them a I decent guess. chance. I think they got a puncher's chance. Tosin, Anybody with Tosan of Oma is, has a chance. Yeah, he's going to be able to pull Kalkbrenner out. They got size and athleticism. It's going to kind of come down to me whether or not their guards make enough shots, but we'll see. I think Creighton is more versatile defensively than um, than either Missouri or Arizona was. Like, they'll have the four guards. Kalkbrenner can move his feet yeah. a little bit. Like, I'm... I think this matchup is actually fairly good for Creighton. And not hey, we can, can we can we give Caden Pierce his flowers too? Dude had nine points. That's fine. Sixteen boards at six five. Yeah, it's amazing. And like that was <laughs> you love <laughs> those undersized that? dudes. Undersized dudes that just go board. Like it's it's hard to rebound, guys. Like yep. you got to go get it. You got like, no, man. I mean, it, it's hard to rebound. Like I, I was never a great rebounder. I had a couple of seven or eight rebound games, but that's pretty much because they came right in my lap. <laughs> like it's not easy to go get boards among the trees. Yeah. You're they, yeah, people, yeah. those people you know, don't get rebounds to you. You let rebounds come to you. That's right. That's right. You don't chase them. You don't chase no, them. I mean, <laughs> in the words of, in the words of Greenberg, you can learn something from Colby Jones. Come on, man. God. Yeah. All right. Uh, Alabama against Creighton. Who's making yeah. top four? You still got Alabama? Yeah. Ah, I th- I mean, I feel like if all three of us pick Alabama, that's no fun. Well, Creighton, get, Creighton gets to their first Final Four. There you go. Oh, your Big East is showing right now. 
<laughs> well, I think Alabama should beat. I think Alabama should beat them. I think that a lot of people are thinking Creighton can't beat them. Like, folks, do not oh, be can, surprised. Yeah, Creighton. Creighton at That's their best can beat anybody. Yeah, Creighton at the best is very, very good. Um, I'm worried I'm about the depth, you, I, but, but I whatever. Can see it. All right, yeah, let's move. Uh, let's move to the east to Madison Square Garden, where Marquise Noel is coming home. I said it last night, Tio. I'm getting some Kemba Walker vibes from Marquise Noel, New York City kid, undersized, super quick, putting up big performances. Uh, he's from Harlem. He lives and plays in Manhattan, and now he is coming back to the Garden. How about that, Fanta? What a story! Uh, taking on Michigan State, they got their own New York City kid at the point in Tyson Walker. Other side of the bracket, FAU, Tennessee. I want to start with with Kansas State and Michigan State. T, I'm going to go to you first on this one. What are you making this matchup? Great guards. This, this honestly, this might be the most intriguing point guard matchup that we have in the Sweet 16. Tyson Walker against Marquise Noel. I didn't think I'd be saying that two months ago, but man, both those kids have been awesome in this tournament. If you look at the matchup predictor on ESPN, it's fifty point three. For Kansas State and forty nine point seven for Michigan State, it, wow. it's going to be. It, it might be the best game <laughs> in the Sweet Sixteen, not named UConn or Arkansas. So, like this, these guys just so incredible. Tyson Walker has turned into a really good player. You remember last year we were talking about what does Michigan State have guards? No longer the case. No longer the case, and they've all been there for a while. Jaden Akins has really improved too. He's kind of the unsung guy. He's he's done a nice job this year, just as far as kind of increasing his role, being a bigger part. Like, but I've said it, I've said this, and I've said it all year. Michigan State is a better version of Michigan State when Joey Hauser plays well, and they're going to need him to play well against uh, this Kansas State team. Uh, I, I really, how do you attack Michigan State? They're going to press you. Noel never gets tired. He plays almost thirty minutes, thirty-seven minutes a game, and like. It's going to be a hell of a matchup. Guards on guards. I, I think Kansas State It was, State just it was so more. funny. It was so funny watching Kentucky try to, like, all these different ball screen coverages, right? They tried to keep him in the middle of the floor. He got to the side, ball screens. And then they would just, when he had the ball top of the key, they'd send two guys at him, and he'd just dribble around him. Like, yeah, that was, that was kind of insane running. to me. That was kind of insane. We used to do a drill like like that all the time when I when I played at Clemson. Like, you would just have, you would have two bit like, two players you'd, you'd have two on two teams the whole team and then what it would teach you to do is attack the slower footed guy every time like th- there was such an easy thing to do like i was like man I, i'm not really sure i would have done that after going after such a small fast person but they, they were running out of issues they were running out of they were running out of options like it was insane yep banta hmm so I started to type, type last night because I was working on a, a region preview, and I started to type Tennessee wins the East region. Um, and then I thought, oh, what about Kansas State? And, guys, I just couldn't do it. I, I couldn't bet against Tom Izzo. Joey Hauser is the Brady Manic of this NCAA tournament. He stretches the floor for Michigan State. He gives them a different dimension. He's now hitting – he's hitting his shots. He's playing confidently. I almost thought playing Marquette was a good thing for him. He won that redemption game. And Michigan State shut down Tyler Kolick. They held Kolick to just two made field goals on Sunday. So why can't they limit Marquise Noel, who I think has been great, by the way? Kentucky played well enough to win on Sunday – they didn't have the best player on the floor, and it's what right. led them losing. They were up sixty to. They were hey, up sixty did you see to what, fifty. Did you see what Tang said afterwards? What he say? He after the game, he said, uh, he said, just because they're Kentucky now, we got we got players too, and tonight we had more dudes than them. I That's love true. that. Yeah, and, I love and that. particularly particularly one who, when his team is down sixty to fifty six. Noel hits a cold-blooded three that had a hand in his face off the dribble. That changed. Once he hit that shot, that was a signal of, yeah, this guy's not losing this game. Yep. (laughs) He's just not not losing this game. So they're going to need more of that, but I I think that that this is a situation where, like, 
Kansas State really needs Naquan Tomlin to play a big-time game to win this game because Tomlin, his athleticism, explosiveness can give Michigan State problems. But if Hauser's knocking down shots and Walker's in the mode he's been in and Aikens, who's just gotten better and better and better, and Tom Izzo said it, I think the biggest key to this weekend for Michigan State, and Tom Izzo keeps kind of referencing this, what are they getting from Malik Hall? What are they getting from Malik Hall? Because when yeah. he gives them something productive, that gives them another layer to the cake as well. Michigan State finds a way. The seventh seed in the East Regional has been very kind. There's history with the seventh seed, especially at the Garden. Um, this has happened here. I, I believe last South time seventh seed has come out coming and, out of there. It was uh Yukon in 2014 and South Carolina. South Carolina, yeah. Yeah, so I, I like the seven again. I, I like Michigan State to find a way to beat a, a Kansas State team that I, I think is one of the most fun watches in the country. Uh, I'm so torn on that. I'm so torn on that because I would make the argument, but my counter would be Kansas State will have the two best players on the floor. Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson will be the two best players on the floor in the game. Right. And – um, and I just, like I said, I'm getting heavy Kemba Walker vibes from Marquise Noel. He's coming back to the garden. He's never played in the garden. He's a kid from Harlem, right? He's coming home. He's going to have like a hundred people asking him for tickets, if not more. So, and I, I don't know about you guys, but a dude whose handle on Twitter is Mr. New York city. I got to figure that when he's coming back to his city to play in the garden, He's gonna show up for that. You go one of two ways. Yep, I think he shows up for <laughs> yeah. it. So I'll I'll tell you this: out of if I circling all the games that I'm excited to see, like I think UCLA Gonzaga is going to be fantastic. I think the battle between Miami and Houston, we'll get into that, is going to be unbelievable. I think Xavier and Texas is going to be really really good. Arkansas against UConn is probably the most high level game that we have in this round. I don't know if there's a matchup that I'm like more excited to kind of see how it plays out than Kansas State taking on Michigan State. So uh, for my money, T.O., whoever wins that game is going to win the the East region because I just I think Tennessee kind of handles Florida Atlantic. They just have a habit of of overpowering these smaller conference schools that just don't have the, <clears throat> the level of do. Sure. Um, but do, where, like, where do you stand on this? Can Tennessee get out of the region? Can Florida? Atlantic yeah, they can. Tennessee, Tennessee can't. Yeah, Tennessee can get out of the region because they're huge. They're physical. Uh, you better bring – if Tennessee plays Michigan State, you better bring your hard hat because, like, <laughs> that game is going to be so physical. And here's the thing, like, I feel like I've harped on it all year. You guys remember at the beginning of the season, I was like, this Tennessee team can make a Final Four because they're so big and so physical. And I – I, I got lost on the wrong things. Like, God, they're, they're not scoring. God, they don't have a guy. God, like, but they hang their hat on being this incredibly big, incredibly physical team that shrinks the floor for every opposing offense they play against. Like, sometimes the, your strength is enough, and their strength is their strength, right? Their strength is their strength. So for them to be able to – I think they beat the – I don't think they just beat FAU. I think they put two in the hospital, and then, uh, and then whoever they play next, like I would rather. No, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that facetiously, but like, no, no I don't think you are. If well, are. But it, guys, I've been, but I've been on the Tennessee train. Like, I, I understand all that. Like, you got I, off the Tennessee train. I'm not. No, 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 no. You got off the Tennessee train. Yeah, you were on the Tennessee on train, then you jump ship, then you bailed. You bailed I didn't on jump your ship. I said you're they a Tennessee score. guy. You are Tennessee through and through. You and Mike Morrell, and then you bailed on Tennessee. You bailed on the Boston. Cut no, him off, Terrence. Don't. Yeah, huh? come on. You you got Cut off, him off Terrence. We're holding you. Tell to, him. We're holding your feet to the fire here, To. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you know what it was though. Cz Binance bailed. They couldn't. They couldn't. To uh, never bailed. Is that right? They they had a hard time scoring in February. Yeah, but, but 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 here's the thing. Like I, I was putting it nicely. <laughs> yeah, but but the strength of what they do is what wins in this part of the season. Yes. So like you know, I, I should have never fallen off, but you know, the offense, the the offense there has always been a problem. But for some reason, somebody shows up. If they can get, they they just need one guy to explode. 
and it's going to be able to carry them to to sixty five points. Like that's the crazy part. If they no, score sixty five exactly points, what they're beating is. everybody. That's yeah. exactly if, what it is. They need one guy. That's all they need. They need one. They basically need whether it's Vescovy, whether it's uh, Kamwa, whether it's Josiah Jordan James, whether it's your boy Julian Phillips. Like you just. We kind of saw it with Xavier too, right? They had when they needed Jerome Hunter to go for twenty five, went for twenty five in a game they probably shouldn't have won. So, right. um, I'm kind of there with you. I, I think that's the region that's the toughest to figure out in terms of who's going to come out because there's no clear answer. Everybody's got advantages, except right. for FAE, which probably means FAU's headed to the Final Four. We just got to, yeah, just got to be ready. Go, for ahead, that go ahead and cannonball in. Yep. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go to the other side of the region uh, or the other side of the bracket. Let's start with the Midwest, Houston. Taking on Miami, which is, to me, Fanta, about as fascinating of a matchup as you're going to get. We also have at the bottom of the bracket, Sean Miller taking on Texas and Rodney Terry. Again, just another absolutely fascinating matchup. Where do you stand? Who do you see coming out? Let's start with Xavier and Texas. Let's start there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, Dylan DeSue is playing as well as anybody right now in this tournament. I mean, he he has been fantastic, guys. 45 points combined and 20 rebounds in two tournament games. Yeah. He, he's been nails. And his ability to stretch the floor and and take you off the dribble, he's a real matchup problem. So I'm curious to see how Sean Miller matches up defensively in this game because Texas, they can go smaller and because that they're more versatile. So how does Jack Nungy fit into that equation, especially on the defensive end of the floor? I think for Xavier, they cannot have – Sule Boom continue to be off from the floor. Boom has not shot the ball well at all. You know, the last two games from three, he's like two for 11. He has not been good. Uh, and and they can't continue to have that or else they will lose to Texas. Against Texas, you can't, you can't try to start to get a feel for the game. Like, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to ease my way in. I'll find my shot at some point. No, no, no. Against Texas, you've got to come out and 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 do what Xavier did against Pittsburgh on Sunday. That mm. was Xavier at its best. Now, Pittsburgh allowed Xavier to run their stuff. Like, Pittsburgh did not make Xavier uncomfortable at all. Texas is going to make them uncomfortable. What this, comes down to, what this comes down to for me is if it's a guards game, which it very much is, um, this comes down to Texas's guards – what they're able to do, you know, what what Marcus Carr is able to do, uh, what Serge Barry Rice can do from a scoring perspective off the bench. And on the other side, Xavier, Will Sule Boom, and Kobe Jones. And then I got to tell you, the most underrated piece of, of this regional, the whole thing of the four teams right now is an experienced veteran sharpshooter in Adam Kunkel, 
Kunkel is hitting major shots for Xavier. Yep. So he can open things up. But this is Texas's physicality. Can Xavier match Texas physically? I don't know about that. Um, I agree with that. Here's the thing that that scares me about this game for Xavier. Um, Pitt played right into their hands. Pitt took yes. bad shots. They didn't move the ball. I mean, they 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 would opt for a tough two as opposed to swing swing for an open three, and that happened quite a bit. And then what that allowed Xavier to do was get out and run. And if you're going to shoot a layup and if you're, you're going to fall on the ground and knock it a foul call, you're screwing the rest of your team. And I know that sounds kind of harsh, but there was a couple of times where a pit player would go up for a layup, he'd get knocked on his butt, he would stay down, and then Xavier's gone. Like, you can forget it. Xavier's gone. They're going to be able to score. They're going to, they move the ball quickly, and they have four or five decision makers on the floor at one time. Here's the problem with that. Texas isn't going to take those same shots. Texas isn't going to let them get out and run. You're going to have to execute much more in the half court as opposed to basically playing against a non-set defense where you can pass patch, attack closeouts, things like that. Texas isn't going to let you do that. I think it's going to be tough for Xavier. I think this is a difficult matchup. One, because Texas is physical. They're old. Uh, they move the ball and they take good shots. You get down on the other end and uh, you know they're just you're going to be playing against a set defense more often than not when you play Texas. That's where I think – like you're not going to have a 48 point half against Texas. It's just not going to happen. So that's kind of that that's where Xavier can run off on a team. That's where I think they're going to have trouble against uh, Rodney Terry and his crew. Yeah, to me it just kind of comes down to as simplistic as this sounds. Being good enough defensively, making life hard for Dylan Zissou, and then you need one of Colby Jones or Shuley Boom to have a day. Like yeah, one of them's yeah. got to be able to go out and make some stuff happen. So um that's, that's that's it's hard to do when they're playing when, yeah. when they're playing on five though like yeah. against Pitt like they were scrambling like yep. Pitt was scrambling so you can't scramble against Xavier you better have your you better have your ducks in a row before you lock down like yeah that's why Conco got so many open looks what I'm exactly. saying is like Suli exactly. and Colby are gonna have to go they're, they're basically gonna have to go win a match right you're gonna come down to a situation where it's like all right you're at a ball screen you got to go beat Marcus Carr and, and um you know, Colby Jones, you got to go beat Serge Jabari Rice off the dribble. I think that's what it comes down to. All right, Houston, Miami, to me, uh, the most – it's not going to get a lot of hype, but I think that this is one of the most fascinating matchups because you oh. have a team that is built on elite guard play and elite bucket getters winning games because they're just going to outscore you. No matter how much you put up, they're going to find a way to get one more point at least. Uh, against a team built on defense and toughness and physicality and rebounding. They're like complete opposites. Fanta, go ahead. Uh, you're you're bursting at the seams right now to get something out. Oh, what do you got to say? I, I love this game. I think it has a chance to be the best game of, of the Sweet 16 slate. I think Miami agree. is going to find a way to win this game. Ooh, spicy. I cannot believe I'm saying that. Uh, go ahead. I just really – I love the way that they are in sync. I love the fact that Nigel Pack can have the 20-plus point game on one night, and on the next, it can be Isaiah Wong. They can play through different hot hands, and they've got several. And Omir, his ability to rebound the ball makes a good offensive team a great offensive team. Because he could give them extra opportunities. He wills them physically. And Jordan Miller is Mr. Steady. You can count on him for contributions throughout. He does every little thing for this team. They, they've they got it. They've got the dudes. I thought that – I really think that Auburn was giving Houston problems. All right? They were. Uh, they were up by 10. Houston put together an amazing second half. Miami is better than Auburn. They, they have some similarities. Um, their guards are much better, but stylistically, they, they, can, they can come out and they can give Houston problems if those guards are doing their thing. Now, will Houston be able to impose its will? And will Marcus Sasser keep on willing his team as well and delivering? Yeah, I mean, that, that could very well happen. And I do think that Jarris Walker's ability to play a great game in this is, is important because at the end of the day, Houston having a lottery pick – you can't say enough about what he means, what his presence means 
all that. And they've just got dudes. They've got Houston's got dudes between Roberts and Mark and Shed. Look, I know that. But at a certain point, I've watched Houston a bunch this year. And I'm just worried about them against a team that can score to the ability that can score like Miami. And when you are then stuck in a half court, if it's not Marcus Sasser, what does Houston look like offensively if the game gets in the last five or six minutes and it's somewhat close? Well, here's, if here's my asking, biggest concern. You're asking that, me who I like. Well, just, I was, was, was just going to say my, my, big, my biggest concern with, with, with Houston here is that I think great offense will beat great defense, right? And I'm not sure if Isaiah Wong makes a move and, and he's going to hit the shot, like you could try to get the contestant, but at the end of the day, he's going to hit that shot if he's going to hit that shot, right? And I think that Houston's got, uh, I'm sorry, Miami's got guys that are good enough to be able to beat good defense over and over again. My biggest concern to you is the matchup at the four spot because Jordan Miller, uh, yeah, Jordan Miller, as good as he is, he's like a buck 95. And he's going to be going up against probably Jarris Walker, who is five years younger and maybe five times as muscular. Like that dude should be a defensive end somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, if he's from Texas, I don't know. I don't know how he got put on a basketball court instead of getting put in pads. But that right. to me is my concern. It's just the sheer size and physicality of Houston taking over. Yeah, but there's a relentlessness about Miami too. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as the offensive glass, they had 20 offensive rebounds against Indiana. You're not getting that against Houston. Mm-hmm. So it, my biggest concern, if I'm Miami, is you got to hit some first shots mm-hmm. against Houston because you're not going to get all those extra opportunities. They got 85 points largely because of the offensive boards. That all being said, uh, Norchad O'Meara, dude, love him. I love that guy. What he's listed at what six eight. He's listed at 6'7", 248. Yeah, 6'7", 248. I, he might be 6'6". They might be generous. And he's just he's just so big and so explosive. But, like, I, I, I like this game for Miami, believe it or not, because they can score both within an offense where they're moving the basketball. And then if things break down, they have, well, let's see, Pack. I think Miller can create something, maybe not for himself, but maybe not for himself, but he can get in the lane and pitch out and then – Wong, we know what he can do. Like they have so many different guys that could get hot and they're deep. Like Miami has enough guys to compete. You get in foul trouble if, if you're Miami, you're still fine. So I think it's an intriguing matchup. Does Miami hit their first shots? Because I don't think you're going to be able to get second second shot attempts against Houston. That's the biggest concern. And I think that's the biggest area uh if I'm Miami that I'm worried about. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I I I still think Houston finds a way to get it done. You know, this is just what they do. They win games like this in March. There's a reason they went to the Elite Eight last year without Tremont Mark and without Marcus Sasser. There's a reason why they went to the Final Four the year before that. They just find a way to get it done. Um, but it's it's. I'll tell you this: Miami right now is getting seven and a half points. I think this is going to be. A yeah, I was about. Dude, I couldn't believe that line. I couldn't believe that line. Seven and a half points. It's going to be closer than that. Miami might win. Yeah. So I will be on uh, Miami be plus seven and a half there. Yeah. I, yeah. I love Miami on that side. I just think that Houston finds a way to get it done at the end of the day. Can Miami get to a Final Four? Is there anybody in this region that cannot get to a Final Four? Like we're we're no, kind of saying four. like it's it's going to be really hard for Princeton, really hard for FAU. Like anybody in this region can win two games, right? I think it's really going to be really hard for Xavier. Xavier. If I had to pick out of those four, I would say Xavier. It's, they have the toughest. They have a t- that 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 Texas game is going to be hard for them. Yeah, Fanta. All four can do it. All four can do it. Yeah. Uh, I, but I but I do think that the matchups really work out well. I, look, if we get Houston and Texas for a spot in the Final Four, that would be insane. Yes. Talk about a massive war, Texas supremacy. I would love that. But man, guys, I really feel good about Jim Laranaga right now. He in in the world. We are not talking enough about this. And of course, nil. There, it helps that he's at NIL heaven. <laughs> but in in the world of in the world of these coaches who are older, saying I'm done, I can't do it anymore, I'm stressed out, I don't want to do it. Jim Laranega is aging like an elite level wine. I mean, he is he just keeps on getting better. He nothing slows him down, and he's repping the ACC. He's the only the only person doing it right now. 
And how about what he said <laughs> post game? Did you hear him post game? He said, I told our guys the ACC needs to get represented tonight. And we did. I thought, wow. I thought the Atlantic Coast Conference should send that guy a bonus of some sort or flowers. The fact that he said that on live TV after the game says that's a coach that actually looked out for his league. They they did rep it well. I mean, they well, beat the either break. that or he's sick of everybody talking about like just Duke and Carolina and the ACC is down. It's like, oh, you know, the blue blood stink. No one, no one cares about the ACC. Well, why don't we pay attention to Miami? We're in the ACC too. So. All right, let's go to the West. Let's go to Las Vegas, where all three of us are going to end up being. Uh, let's start with Gonzaga and UCLA. Fanta, you said this the other day. I don't know if T.O. Is, is aware of this. Gonzaga and UCLA will be playing in Las Vegas in yeah. the Sweet 16, 17 years to the day of the Gonzaga collapse, the meltdown. Mm-hmm. Adam Morrison crying on the floor, one of the single most memorable college basketball games that have ever that has ever been played. 17 years to the day, we get a rematch. I'm so fired up for this game. Drew Timmy, Jaime Jaquez, Tiger Campbell, Mark Few, Mick Cronin. Does it get better than this, T.O.? No, it certainly does not. That's the um, – that's – it's going to be a hell of a matchup. It's going to come down to pace. But Drew Timmy against UCLA, the two teams on the West Coast, the entire side of our country. And yeah, I just like UCLA in this one because of Tiger Campbell, because of Jaime Jaquez. Like those guys, it's going to come down to pace of play. Can Cronin slow it down? Can Gonzaga speed it up? And when it does slow down, because that's typically what happens, if there's a slow and a fast team, it typically slows to a crawl. Uh, is Timmy going to be able to score 30 and 15 like he did? Because if he did, he's going to give him a chance. If, if he if he doesn't, I think it's going to be hard because the elite elite guard play is not there. They still have very good guards. And at the beginning of the season, they were like, that's the issue with Gonzaga. Now, I, I'm not necessarily – I don't think it's an issue anymore. They're good. They're just not elite. They're not top five draft picks. They're still very good, though. Fanta? I think it's really important on the Gonzaga front that Julian Strother negates what Jaime Jaquez does in this game. They've, they've got to, for Gonzaga's sake, Strother can't have a, a okay game, like a weak game. He's got to have a great game. And when he's had great games, Gonzaga's won. I mean, he, he opens up a different dimension uh, alongside Timmy when they're both going and churning things out. I give Rasir Bolden credit. Thought he played his best overall game of the season against TCU. That was an amazing game itself. Mm-hmm. But guys, kind of similar to Kansas State with Noel and Johnson, I'm not betting against Tiger Campbell and Jaime Hakas. And I think David Singleton, his steady progression is there. I love the way that that UCLA plays defense. I think that they can give make Gonzaga very uncomfortable. And fellas. I'm excited for this game because we cover the sport nationally. And let's face it, we get a lot of tweets and comments and takes and thoughts that, you know, uh, East Coast bias, East Coast this, East Coast that, eat whatever. Well, guess what? We will be in the house for this game. And we are going to give it the amount of love that it rightfully deserves. I'm excited to cover this game. I cannot wait to see who wins this game uh, because I think it's going to come down to maybe the last five minutes. And you got two guys. There's no doubt in my mind that it comes down to the last five minutes. No doubt in my mind. No doubt. You got two guys in my mind in Hawkes and Timmy that are the uh, two of the faces of the sport, two great interviews, two great talkers. They're fun. I, I, I'm going with Hawkes and UCLA. UCLA, the way that they are playing and winning, Hakez, I've said this before, Hakez reminds me of a Villanova player. He is a freaking winner. He is just a winner, but he's put his spin on it at UCLA. Bruins find a way. I think Hakez so. and Drew Timmy are the two guys in college basketball, the most exemplify college kid. Look, look at them. You got Hakez with the shaggy hair all over the place, with the goatee going, uh, always looks like he just rolled out of bed. Always looks like he probably partakes in uh, the uh, the the legalized medicinal uh, substances on the West Coast, right? 
And then you got Drew Timmy, who's got the handlebar mustache, who looks like he's never combed his hair, who shows up to press conferences in like pajama pants while wearing Uggs, right? And who always talks about how much he loves Dos Equis. By the way, did you hear him drop an F-bomb on CBS after they beat TCU? <laughs> yeah, I think it's all great and good, guys. But like, I let's clean it up a little bit. <laughs> like, I get it. It's, it's happening a little too much. One slip up, one slip up's funny. One slip up's funny. After that, it's like, do you think that that affects you know his next stop, his stock? Are you like, are you like Sonny Weaver in draft day? Well, then, well, then why are you complaining? I'm not. I just, I don't know. There's something about it. Well, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that we're not, we're not college kids on CBS. We're not representing anything but this oh, podcast. Man. Right now. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm real. I don't think I've ever in. said that to you. Reeling no, us, you haven't. Reeling us back in. Reeling us back in. Arkansas. I'm going to have to threaten to kill Fanta in Vegas. <laughs> Arkansas, UConn. Um, a battle that has you been raging. the only one. On <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh, yeah. A battle that has been raging on Twitter for the last 48 hours. Um, the UK- UConn Twitter is insane. They've met their match. Arkansas Twitter is is on a completely different level. I've seen UConn, the craziest UConn fans have been waving the white flags. Like, it's nuts. It's nuts. It's a crazy battle. I wish I was not stuck in the middle of it. Um, but let's talk about this. T.O., Arkansas. What are some of the best tweets you've seen? I cannot repeat them in public. Dude, the funniest one was whenever <laughs> there was a Providence fan that was trying to trace back the timeline. I think Field of 68 posted it. And he's like, and then a, a Georgetown game back uh, guy came back. Oh, yeah. They were, guy. The guy was like, so he walks through the whole timeline, and the guy's like, can you do the Kennedy assassination next? And then the, problem the guy, goes, guy goes, there were two shooters. And then a random fan pops up and goes, that's two more shooters than Georgetown had the last two years. <laughs> Dude, they were, they, Twitter's been on fire. Big East Twitter's been on fire lately. Yeah. All right. So we got about five minutes left. Let's let's break this matchup down. Moss five minutes for the best game. Yeah, Moss is as good as anybody when it comes to exploiting specific matchups. Um, Dan Hurley is as good as anybody when it comes to getting his team to play his game and when they're better winning those games. Who uh who wins out? How does this thing play out? To what do you got here? Who who does who does Moss attack? Uh, my guess is what he does is Caravan. I don't think you can attack Caravan right now. Caravan no. has like he has really improved on like he went from being like a liability to being a guy that like you it does not get exploited anymore. He just does not. I my guess what they do is they they try to force switches and they try to get one of the big guys on one of their smaller guys. And if that doesn't work, then they're going small and they're making Adama Sonogo guard somebody on the perimeter or Donovan Klingon guard somebody on the perimeter. And they're just, just gonna say, if you beat us up inside, we'll try to figure it out. I just I don't know. I, I just don't know who you who you attack for UConn. Like <laughs> that is so intriguing because Donovan Klingon, even when he gets stuck out on the perimeter, he's so damn big. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I just I, I don't know how you attack UConn. Here's the other thing I think they do. They I think they 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 ISO Tristan Newton and go at Tristan Newton and see if they can't get him in foul trouble. Because if you get him in foul trouble, then all of a sudden you don't have a guy that can um, that can create off the bounce. And the one thing that Arkansas can do defensively is they have enough where if they want to switch everything, they can switch everything and really get out and pressure you. Right. So, yeah. No, yeah. I, I just I, – I, elite backcourt versus elite front court. That's what it comes down to for me. And uh, we say guards win. Those guards are young. Like there's so many, there's so many good – storylines different ways you can attack I, I, i'm so curious how they're going to go at each other and how they're going to try to attack uconn you kind of know what they're going to do you're going to try to run some offense get some post touches you know you can confuse some younger kids sometimes by running a million staggers and things like that making them chase through yes but i just don't know that i just don't know that you're going to be able to do it, it this is going to be a great game it's going to come down to individual playmaking because both teams are going to be really well coached. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where if UConn wins this game, it's because Jordan Hawkins continues to be the, yep. the individual who makes the difference on the floor. Who do you put I, on him? Uh, well, probably. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking Jordan Walsh. Don't you guys think that? 
he he's I think he's uh, Arkansas's best defender. Don't you want to take away the most lethal of of their perimeter presences? I think that's what I you would do say. Too. Walsh. Uh, yeah, I would do that. I would I would have Walsh on Hawkins, and then I would have uh, Anthony Black probably running around with with Newton. Yeah, with Newton. God, those matchups are so good. And then would, obviously would, Andre Jackson. Maybe Walsh with, goes uh, on Newton. Maybe yeah, what I would what I would do is put Walsh on Newton. I think yeah. I'd have Devo Davis on Hawkins because I want someone because he's a little bit shorter, and I think it'd be easier for him to kind of get around those screens. And then I would use Anthony mm-hmm. Black to be the guy on uh on Andre Jackson, just use him as the roamer, use him as the help guy, use him as someone like, hey, when they throw this ball over the top to Adama, you pick you have to be there. I bet right? the guy they continue to switch off of. Uh, or they continue to throw different bodies at is Hawkins. Like I, I bet they they mix and match that one up qu- quite a bit. You have to, like, yeah. That, that dude can run two miles in like nine minutes. Yeah, no. yes, nobody can. in America can has the has the stamina that kid does. Yep. It's this could be an amazing game, and, and Sonogo is on a mission, and this is the best he's played in his career. Yep. He this kid this kid is playing on another level. You talk with him. I mean, we we all have talked with him. I'm so excited for him to be up at the podium all this week because the guy is a great. He's not a good quote. He's a great quote. He does not believable quote. And I can tell you right now that that entire coaching staff, like one of their biggest concerns this week, is like, how do we stop Anthony Black? How do we stop Nick Smith? How do we stop Ricky Council? How do we stop Adama from running his mouth? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's like the list of checklists of things they're worried about. He's I love him. I absolutely love him. The the one benefit is that um he talks so fast and he's got such a thick accent that like maybe 50% of America is gonna be able to like pick up what he's putting down, you know? But he's he's oh man, he's not afraid to let you know. He's got he's got a little he he works with Hurley. He's not afraid to let you know. Anybody got a gut feeling that UConn finds a way to win this game? Yeah, I do too. That's I do too. I am very, I'm very cautiously optimistic about this draw. Like at this point, any loss is going to be a loss, but I'm very cautiously uh, op- optimistic about um, this matchup. Listen, we're going to have a lot more to talk about when it comes to this. We're going to be breaking all of this down throughout the week. Um, Field of sixty eight after dark, eleven o'clock every single night. Uh, it's going to be a little bit after midnight when we get out to Vegas. We're going to do it after all the games since there's only four games a night. So for John Fanta, for Terrence Ogilvy, this has been the DTF Podcast. We will see you guys again next week.